Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Good morning to you ladies, from my home to yours. I wonder what's happening in your home today. Here it's a rainy day. And the rain has abated for a minute, but if it comes again, you may hear the pitter-patter on our roof. Because a little while ago, we had to renew our roof. It was leaking, and so we put on a tin roof. I love to hear the sound of the rain on the tin roof. It's so wonderful, but not so good for recording. So if that happens, you'll know what the sound is. Well, we are still talking about uh, living life in our home and how to make our home an exciting home, how to make life happen in our home. And I have 15 points that I'm sharing with you, and I know there are so many more, but we are up to number 10. And number 10 is our home is a hospitality center. Yes, our home is for our family to enclose our family and uh, just to make it a sacred and safe place for our family. But we're not to live only to ourselves. That is never, ever to be part of Christianity. We are to live for others. And therefore, even in our home, we are to open our home to others. And precious ladies, this makes exciting living. Now, Colin and I, we've been married now for over 55 years. And I would have to say that hospitality in our home has been one of the greatest blessings of our lives. It's, it's just added another dimension to our lives, spice to our lives, excitement and joy and blessing and fellowship. And it's just such a wonderful thing to invite others into your home. Hospitality is a biblical doctrine that starts in Genesis, right in the very first book, and weaves through the pages of the Bible until the very last book in Revelation. Hospitality is an extension of our mothering and homemaking ministry. Hospitality is not an option. Some people think, oh, well, some people have that gift of hospitality. It's not my thing. But hospitality was the lifestyle of the early church, and it should be the lifestyle of the church today. Of course, hospitality means serving, Hospitality means cooking. Hospitality means that you're in your home. You can't show hospitality if you're not there. 
And I think maybe that's one of the reasons that uh, so many don't have hospitality today. They're not there in the home if a mother is out in the workforce. My, it's hard enough to even look after her own family, let alone be there to cook and, and uh, invite others to come into the blessing of her home and the atmosphere of her home. But it's God's ideal, and, as I said before, it makes for exciting living. And our God is a hospitable God. One of God's favorite words is come. We often read it in the Word of God, where God says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come, buy and eat, and come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. God loves to say, come. It was the language of Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's the language of the Holy Spirit. In Revelation twenty two seventeen, it says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Not just the Holy Spirit, but the Bride. We also should have the same language. Don't you think we should have the same language that God has, that Jesus has, that the Holy Spirit has? We should have it too. Come. Come to my place. Come and have a meal with us. Oh, we'd love you to come and spend some time with us. Let's get that attitude. And as I said, that was the attitude of the early church. If we go to Acts chapter 2, uh, let me turn to it here. <clears throat> Acts 2 and... Uh, Yes, we read here in verse 46, talking about the believers, and they continuing daily. Notice the word daily, not once a month or once a week, but daily. They continue daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Now, that's not just talking about communion. Breaking bread was a term that was used to fellowship and eat with someone else. Because back in biblical days, well, even in Middle Eastern uh, times today, people break bread. They have the flat bread, which they break, in which they dip into the hummus or the garbagonosh or whatever um, dish they have. And they dip it in and they eat it and they broke bread bread, not just with themselves, but with others. And back in the early church, they were so filled with the Holy Spirit and with the joy of their salvation and the revelation that Jesus was their Messiah, that they couldn't help but meet daily. They wanted to get together to share 
uh, and talk about Jesus, to share the new understanding and revelation that they were receiving because I'm sure they had revelation that we don't even have today because they were so familiar with the sacrifices which were still even happening in the temple at that time. And they, in, in those sacrifices... The, the morning and the evening sacrifice, it was all pointing to Calvary. It was pointing to Jesus, the Lamb of God. And now they could see it. All that ritual that they'd done for so many years and for centuries, now they're seeing the meaning of it. They're seeing in everything that happened in the temple a new understanding and revelation of Jesus, their Messiah, and they wanted to share. And so they got together daily. They couldn't do it in the day. I'm sure they got together at supper time when it was time to eat and the work of the day was finished and they would come and instead of being on their own, they'd fellowship with one another. Now, in doing that, can you imagine them having time to prepare elaborate meals and put on something so special like we think we have to do for hospitality? No, they were just sharing the ordinary meal that they would eat together as a family. But, oh, come and share it with us. They, they didn't... Um, have to put on something special. They weren't entertaining. They were just opening their home in to have fellowship. And that's what hospitality is all about. Some mothers think, oh, I could never show hospitality because they think of having to put on this very elaborate meal. They, they have to do so many extra things. No, that's entertaining. And yes, there are times when we do entertain, when we do something very special. Yes, there are times for that. But regular hospitality is down to earth. It's eating what we normally eat and sharing it with others. And so this is what the early church did. They broke bread from house to house and ate their food together with gladness, with joy and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And get this, this is something we often don't notice. It goes on to say, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I'm always challenged by that. We don't see so many people coming to the Lord today. We don't see them coming daily into the kingdom of God. Yes, every now and then we see someone come to the Lord and it's so exciting. But here they were seeing people daily at it. I wonder if it had something to do with their daily lifestyle. As they daily opened their homes and fellowship, God added to, to them and to the church daily. 
Yes. You see, people saw their lifestyle. It wasn't religiosity. This was something real. This was something that affected your life. Wow, these people, they love one another. They've got something that we've never seen before. I want that. And so their lifestyle drew others into the kingdom of God. That makes me think of that scripture in First John chapter three fourteen, where it says, "We know, we know, that we have passed from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren, we love the brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, if we love them, do we just?" Oh, well, yes, I, I love the people of God. Or do we show it? You really don't love unless you show it. And if we love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we will just, in, just intuitively uh, just want to get with them. We'll want them to come to our home for a meal. We'll want them to come to our table. We'll want uh, to be with them. That's just uh, the proof that we know that we are passed from death unto life. Let's go over to First Peter chapter 4. Peter is writing here to the people. And, and uh, in this uh, book, they were really facing persecution and many trials. Uh, Peter wrote to them a lot about that. In fact, in verse 12 and 13, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. And if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the glory of God rests upon you. And uh, so with this scripture and many others, he encouraged them even in their persecution. But here in verses 7 to 9, he says, but the end of all things is at hand. Well, they're closer at hand today, aren't they? Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. For love shall cover the multitude of sins and practice hospitality one to another without grudging. Isn't that amazing? The message, the end of all things is at hand. Wow, you'd think he would then say, well, you better just get down and fast and pray and make sure your life is ready for the coming of the Lord. No, he just says, love one another fervently and show hospitality to one another. The word of God is so practical, isn't it? So let's embrace it and let's enjoy it. Maybe if you're not used to showing hospitality, just start off with maybe just one person. Perhaps you know a single mom and you know, she's lonely. She needs encouragement. Invite her home to your home for lunch or even better, invite her for supper if your husband is willing. Um, 
many of the exhortations to hospitality in the Word of God are to men. And many of the examples are of men showing hospitality. So men are meant to have a heart for hospitality. But sometimes uh, wives are married to husbands who weren't brought up with it and they're not used to it and they don't want hospitality. And uh, you think, well, what can I do? Well, then if you can't have someone for supper, well, you can invite them for lunch while your husband is at work and just invite them to your home to just encourage them and bless them. And or summertime, you can even invite them for a picnic and take them to the park and and, uh, just show hospitality that way. But if you have a heart for it, God will show you uh, ideas of what to do. I find myself that I never have enough time to show hospitality to all the people that I want to, the people I want to invite to my table for a meal and the people I want to reach out to. Oh, I have a list and I can hardly ever, you know, fulfill that whole list because I keep adding other names. And uh, so... You can never, ever, ever get bored when you have a hospitable home. Oh my, we could talk for hours on hospitality, but I want to get through my other points this session. Maybe one time we'll we'll do a whole podcast on hospitality. Number 11, the home is a counseling center. Oh my Our homes are just so wonderful. Everything happens in our homes. Uh, Our home has always been that too, a home where people have come to receive counseling. In fact, our children grew up with that. And I can remember back in the days when they were teens and a little older than teens and uh, people came to our home and Colin and I would not be there. We were out perhaps doing something and and uh, we would get home and the children would say, oh, this person came, they needed counselling, but don't worry, mum and dad, we counselled them. And uh, they would just think, oh, well, we can do this. We're so used to this. It's just so part of our lives. And um, so they would even do it. I'm not quite quite sure what kind of counsel they gave, but anyway, but This is another part of our homes. It makes me think of a beautiful article that Pearl, my daughter, wrote. Pearl wrote this article about my mother, her nana, before she was married. So she wrote it a long time ago. Pearl's been married about 24 years now. But can I just read to you a little bit of it, if I can get through it without crying? because I always cry when I read this. You can go and uh, read the whole thing on my webpage. It's there. I think it would be under, what would it be, under Family Life or something. Uh, It's there on the webpage. But it's called More Than Toast and Pots and Pans. And uh, let me start down a few paragraphs. Perched, this is Pearl talking, perched on my stool, watching her through those childhood eyes, I learned that the kitchen is more than just a room. Its significance goes beyond a feeding facility. Her kitchen had a heartbeat. 
Though she may not have been young, there was more life there than the local coffee house. It was in her kitchen that she welcomed friends and those who were lonely, and herb tea made in a pottery teapot, and something nourishing to eat were the items on her menu during visiting hours, although there never seemed to be a closing time. But it wasn't just for the home-made food they came. It was the listening ear she offered and the well-chosen words of counsel. Her kitchen was not only a place to feed the hungry, it was a psychiatry office with a stool for a couch. It was never a place of drudgery for my nana. Certainly, she worked hard, and there would be piles of dishes, pots boiling over, steam and a little bit of sweat, but the mundane chores could not dampen her pleasure of serving others. It's been said that the only way to true happiness is by helping others. This was her testimony. Her smile told everyone. So did the songs which she hummed and sometimes belted forth so loud you'd wonder how such a small woman could summon such decibels. I've heard her singing Amazing Grace at phenomenal volume. Shoulders straight, hands clasped. She'd let it fly. My nana did not need liberating because she never considered herself repressed. In fact, she loved the kitchen. And so simply, so did we. The announcement of an intended visit to our grandparents would ignite in us children an excitement much too wild to suppress. Yippee! We would yell and dance around the house. We're going to see Grandad and Nana! I've got the window seat, one of us would yell. No way! You had it last time! Inevitably, a roaring argument would ensue. But it was a regular part of the hysteria so no one really minded. We were off to see Nana and Grandad, and nothing could dampen our spirits, not even when arguing sometimes turned to thumping. We would arrive at their home after a day's long trip, leap out of the car, <coughs> scattering peanuts and pillows onto the driveway. It was a race to the front door, up the wooden steps, through the overhanging ferns, up and up, panting and running till we reached the front door and there they were waiting for us forgive me i'm just about to cry as i remember those days how's my best mates granddad would boom squeezing each of us in a hug that never failed to squash out spare breath then we would head straight for the kitchen six children a set of parents and two more in their golden age, with their arms around one another, and as many of us as they could capture. Through the door, the glowing, wafting kitchen would open its arms to us, and we would crowd around the oven, guessing its contents and hinting vocally of the hunger that gnawed in our stomachs. It was never a disappointment. Always the room gave the promise of a wonderful meal, the chance to boast to a doting grandparent. Always it lived up to the excitement. But we weren't the only ones who were big fans of their kitchen. It attracted many other pilgrims who knocked on the front door and ended up staying for days. Grandad was very adept at pulling 
people in from the doorstep, dragging them into the kitchen, sitting them down at the table and stuffing them full. He was a food man. Tucker, he called it. What you need is some good tucker, he'd say, pulling out the contents of the refrigerator at remarkable speed and lining them up on the counter. There was the fierce, unspoken competition between my grandparents as to who was the master chef. Grandad considered himself quite the man for the job. He'd hold up a slab of meat. Hunted this myself. You'll never taste anything like it. He'd thrust it into the oven like he was scoring a goal and then begin a boisterous and dramatic commentary on the items of food the guest would be served. See this honey here? He'd hold it up and beam proudly. Comes from my own bees, greatest in the country. Their kitchen was there for others, always open. They liked it full, so full it was. There are many who have its memories like I do. Many who have learned the meaning of happiness through watching them give. They too must have learned that a kitchen is more than toast and pots and pans. And some days I am sure that they, like me, cannot help longing for hot soup and a little golden-haired woman who made afternoons of staring out of a kitchen window the most cherished moments of a lifetime. And so that was my parents, not only a home of hospitality, a home where they counseled so many people, not formally, but just casually, as they sat at their table, and they fed them food, and they fed them love, and they fed them wise counsel from the Word of God. And so our home is a counseling center, to our children first, of course. It's part of our lives, daily counseling them, and once again, being there to counsel them. Because counseling is not just, okay, at two o'clock I am going to teach you something or give you some counsel. No, it's part of life. It's when things happen. It's when something is said. that We bring forth these, these wise words of counsel. And we do it to our children and we do it to the others who come into our home. And so... Think of your home as a counseling center. Number 12. The home is also a healing center. Now, you, if you have read the latest issue of Above Rubies, number 95, I'm sure you will have read the article which I wrote in this uh, magazine called A Healing Home. I hope you've read it, and if you haven't, um, make sure you do. Now, um, I shared there, and let me find something I wanted to... Yes, I share in this article a word that I recently discovered. It's therapia. Now, as you can imagine, it comes, uh, we get our word therapy from therapia, and it literally means to give care and attention, 
to give medical cure, to bring healing. Now, the amazing thing is, is that I discovered that this exact word was used to describe a household in Luke 12, 42. This amazed me. It excited me. Wow, my home is to be a healing home. Now, this word is only used three times in the Bible about a household, another time when Jesus was healing the sick, and thirdly, in Revelation 22, where it talks about the leaves were for the healing of the nations. Dear, precious mother, God wants your home to be a healing home. Healing, yes, to the body, physically. We make sure that we give our children healthy foods. We don't have junk food in our home. No, we're a healing home. Every bit of food we have in our home is for the health of our husband and children. That's just in us. That's what we want to do. We're not just doing what everybody does. We are out to uh, make and build a healing home. But it's not only for their bodies, it's for their souls and their spirits. And uh, you'll have to read more about it in the article. In fact, not only, we only, I only really shared a little in that magazine article, but since then, uh, I have joined with Erin Harrison uh, on her talk show. And uh, you can find Erin's talk show. You go to Facebook and look up Keeper of the Homestead blog. And Erin uh, and I ended up doing nine over one hour sessions, which you not only hear, but you can see about the healing home. Erin uh, asked if I would do it with her on her talk show after reading my article and she also wrote a testimony in Above Rubies about healing relationships. So I said that'd be great. So we set out, we did one session, we thought that's all it would be. It ended up nine sessions. So if you really want to learn more about the healing home, uh, you can find the links on her blog, uh, her Facebook blog, or you can just email me and I can send you each link, uh, which may be even easier for you to find them. I'll just send the links to you and you can enjoy learning so much more about how to build a healing home physically and spiritually and mentally and emotionally. And uh, so this is just a wonderful thing. Now, it's getting our time is going again. So let's look at number 13. Our home is an industry center. It's a place where we uh, can do so many projects. How can anybody ever say they can get bored at home? I mean, do you ever have enough time in your life to do all the things and the dreams that you have to do in your home, the projects you have, the visions you have? Oh, there is just so much. I've just never had time to do them all and still don't have time to do them all. And so 
you can, in your home, you can do such wonderful projects with your children. And uh, you can even have a home business. But of course, you have to be careful with home businesses. You have to be careful when you start them. You don't start a home business when you have little ones all around you. The most overwhelming time of motherhood is when you have just maybe two or three children. They're all tiny and uh, you're having to do everything for them. It's the most challenging time and perhaps, perhaps the most physically challenging time. But then the children grow. The sad thing is, too, many people stop when they have two or three children because they think, wow, this is so challenging. I don't know whether I can keep doing this. But they forget or they don't understand that children grow. They get bigger. And as the children grow, you get helpers. And when another little baby comes on, wow, instead of just looking after these two or three little ones, suddenly you've got a helper. And then... You have another child if God blesses you. And wow, you've got bigger helpers. And then it gets to the time when you have teenagers in your home. You have daughters and sons who are 17, 18, and they know how to run the household. They know how to look after everything outside the home. And they are capable and they are become your great helpers. And uh, when you get to this season, it's a better season to... You know, maybe start a business. Maybe you are very good at creating things and then you want to sell them through a web page and you can do that. And then you can even get your children involved. And of course, uh, Serene and Pearl, you know, my daughters of Trim Healthy Mama, they now have a very huge and flourishing business. They didn't start this when they had little ones because that was their life. And now, it's still their life. And although they wrote this book and then somehow God just blessed it and now they have this huge business, but they are not going out of their homes. I think of Serene, she is at home. And of course, Pearl is at home too, although her children are growing. Serene has her uh, ninth biological baby, little Solly. She's six months old now. And uh, she has all her still little ones at home, uh, although there are 14 in the family with the adopted children and some are married now. But she has these little ones around and she and Pearl and Serene established at the very beginning as they this business began to grow and their husbands then came from the jobs they were doing and took over and they have taken over. If you were to ask Serene, now Serene, how's Trim Healthy Mama going? Oh, I don't know. Don't ask me. She doesn't know one thing about the business at all. She just does what she has to do. Uh, they do their podcasts. They do their radio work. They do their filming. But it's all done at home. And all their um, you know, cooking demonstrations are done at home. Arden, who is recording for me right now, he does all their filming. And it's in the home. When they first started... Um, they uh, um, had some people who were going to do their uh, filming and um, 
But anyway, uh, they said, well, we need you to come into our studio. They said, no, thanks. If you can't come to our humble home, we're not doing it. And so these people came. They came with all their equipment and were taking it into Pearl's little trailer home. And that's where they started doing their cooking demonstrations. In the end, they actually fired those people. And now Arden does it all. But it's all in the home. It's amazing what we can do in our homes. Once again, you don't actually have to just make everything a business either. Yes, some of you will do that. But do you know, I've always been one of those who felt you don't have to do everything as a business. I have never made Above Rubies a business. I've been doing Above Rubies for over 40 years. And uh, it's never been a business. It's been a love ministry. I've never taken money from Above Rubies. It's just a love ministry. You can do things in your home. And of course, this has never gone out of the home. I, I have known of other magazines that have so fewer distribution of magazines than I do. And yet they have offices and buildings. Goodness me, I've never ever taken it out of the home, ever, in over 40 years. Uh, but we read in the word of the Proverbs 31 woman who stretches out her hands to the poor and reaches forth her hands to the needy. To do that, she's had to make things in her home, to take them to the poor. Yes, sometimes you will make a business out of the creative things that you can do. Other times... You'll do it as a ministry. You think of Dorcas. Remember her in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 42. And uh, she passed away and Peter was used of God to raise her from the dead. But it talks about the widows uh, when he came, that they were all weeping and showing him the coats and the garments which Dorcas made. And she didn't make them for business. She made them to give to people. They were her arms deeds. And so our home, our, our home, which is a place of productivity and industry. Wow. It, it just, oh, it, I don't know just how to describe it. It's so exciting and so many amazing things we can make happen. Sometimes for business, but sometimes just to bless others. Oh, precious ladies, embrace the, your home. It's a place where so many exciting things can happen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your plan and giving us homes. Homes, homes from where we can change the world. Homes from where we raise children to go out into this world to take your love and salvation. Homes, oh, that can be filled with your presence to touch so many lives. Oh God, I pray that you will give everyone listening a vision, a vision for their home. Lord, we're not all going to have the same homes. Each one of us are different. Show them what you want them to do in their home. Give them 
your ideas, what you have planned for them. But I pray your blessing and anointing and creativity upon each home and each mother in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 